and we're live. Did, is your mic recording? I know we've had problems with this. <laughs> no, my mic is definitely yeah. recording. I think we got a hot mic. We got a hot <laughs> mic. Welcome back, everybody. The ones ready podcast. All right. And we're back. We're live. Do it. I want to do it like a uh, like a terrestrial radio show where it's like now you're talking to Chico and the slide. Like I don't know. <laughs> like, well, that's that was Trent at the Tacti Roundup. A hundred percent. And we're back. And we're back. But yeah. seriously, we are back. ATA day two. We're yep. just sitting here. Getting some recording in, talking about some uh, talking about some AMC stuff. What did we learn from day one? Well, we we learned that even if you ops check your stuff, you still need to ops check it again and again and again. It's very okay. much like the old safety on an M4. You're always kind of caressing that thing Just, yeah. because you're always double checking that it's in the safe position. It has to be in the safe position. That safety's got to be, the, and the dust cover has to be closed, yep. and it's a constant check. Yep. So you're saying if it's not pre-flighted. If, it, if it's not, you know, a post-flight isn't a pre-flight, is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. That's patch terminology. That's what it is. I had to make you you're feel right. had to make you feel good about it. So stuff, you know, kind of like recap from, from day one, it was awesome. We got to uh, we got to see a whole bunch of people get some well-deserved uh, yeah. recognition. Like, that was pretty humbling, just to see the amount of folks that were getting, you know, uh, getting their awards specifically for some of the uh, Operation Allies refuge stuff, some of the fallout of, of HKIA, and just to see people actually get, and from all AFSE, so it wasn't just flyers, it was, yeah. You know, Phoenix Ravens, it was medical folks on the ground. To hear some of those citations. Crew chiefs. Crew chiefs, yeah. To hear some of those citations to some of the things that were done, like, it's again, it's just one of those humbling things. We, yeah. again, we're, we always, you know, kind of focus down and in on what it is that we do. And it, it, it's really humbling to hear other people that have just stepped up in time and need to go do that stuff. Yeah, and you know, we talked to, um, we talked to Voodoo about it a couple months back and, and just kind of listened to her story and everything that she went through. That was humbling alone. Yeah. Just having her here, you know, having, I think if it, I think it was like 26 orphans handed to her and signed off, and, and right. having the to keep flying, just in a pattern work, getting aerial refueled, just because it's much cooler and easier for the aircraft at altitude to be able to keep the AC on when it's August. Right, in, in it's Afghanistan, August, right, In yeah. Afghanistan, IUD and stuff like that, so. It, it's hot, you have 700 people on board uh, in a metal tube, just absolute, the worst possible Using scenario. the uh, the lavatory floor as a kitty litter tray. Get yeah. out of here, yeah. just get out of here. Yeah, the, stuff, the, the stories that we've been able to hear too, like the other thing, that you, the unintended consequence of this is just having conversations with people. You know, ran into a guy that, you know, I worked with up at the 2-2 and, he was telling me just wild stories of, of stuff that's gone on. And, and really the, the thing that came out of the story, it wasn't just that it was an awesome story to hear, but the service that those those folks provided during the entire event. Like oh, it, yeah. it's easy to get, um, you know, hyper-focused on, you know, the politics of the event or, you know, success or failure or some of the other narratives that are involved in it. But when it came down to it, it's just your average, you know, guy, girl in the Air Force just putting out for service. Well, they're just they're putting in work. Yeah, they're doing they, work. Yeah, they saw that what needed something needed to be done. It doesn't matter whether that was their Air Force specialty code, their job, whatever. Yeah. things needed to get done, and so you do it, regardless of what the AFI or the Air Force instruction, uh, you know, says. Like we've said it before, those are kind of guide rails and reports of departure. To you do what's right. You yeah. have you have commander's intent, mission intent, and you get after it because that's what needs to get done. Yeah, and and you're right. It's and so kudos to, to General Minahan, 
the Air Mobility staff, you know, because not only did they recognize all the folks that, that put in great work doing uh, OAR, but also the folks that, because there's a timeline associated with yeah, all those right. metals. And they, so they had to scramble to, to meet that. And then, so that their staff, their A1 staff that ended up just poncho and all that stuff, long hours. I think they said something like, 1,000, more than 1,000 decorations that they had to process, like more than 1,000 people that they want to recognize. That's nuts. That, that is insane. And it's on a short timeline, again, because it, expi it has an expiration date and a lot of it is tied to, you know, you know what General Minahan uh, can do from his yep. level and what authority he has and how fast that he can do it. And, you know, I think he said it in his remarks last night. He said, you know, it's not going to be perfect, but I can make it better. Yeah. I think that's great to hear a senior leader say. It's like, hey, I, I accept that this wasn't the, the perfect thing that we wanted to happen, but I can make it better and I can continue to actually push forward and get some of this stuff done. And that's the thing, and that's why I think the transparency, the yep. open, honest transparency, that's where it's key. And, and you know, it's as critical as you want to be about senior leaders. Not every senior leader is created equal and, and the messaging and not every, and all that to say, like, even even between the three of us, we have different ways of communication. For sure, yeah. So we have weak areas, we have strong areas. That's the same with all the senior leaders, whether it's you know Chief Master of the Air uh, of the Air Force Bass, you know um, CAC, CZ that's recently retired, General Bauerfine, like all the way up, all the way through. Sometimes there's weak areas, sometimes there's strong areas, and we just we communicate differently. So having yeah. that open, honest transparency it was was nice to see. I, and I will say to his credit too, the one thing that I've noticed that he does well, if we're talking about like the, the, you know, all senior leaders are not created equal. Something that he's done really, really well is that he completely bypasses his staff on messaging and will come directly to you and talk to you. We were, you know, chatting yesterday and he, you know, he mentioned uh, an outreach program. He's like, hey, Aaron, you want to go to this thing? And I was like, I, uh, Maybe, sure, like if I'm the right guy, like I'll go to it. I'm not going to turn you down. You're a four-star general. Like, yeah. I think I'm obligated to tell you yes, sir, and, you know, go go, go do. Three but, bags full and I'm out. Exa yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can do that pretty quickly. But the thing that struck me about it is he literally was just like, oh, yeah, just send me a note. He didn't yeah. tell, hit my exec up. He didn't say go to my staff. He said, oh, yeah, okay, we've communicated about this. We're going to move on. I've made this decision, and we're going to go. And he does that really frequently. And I think that's one thing that good senior leaders do when you see yeah. them communicate they're willing to eliminate those unnecessary buffers because they all have them. Oh yeah. Staff and A3 and you know, sometimes yep. you know, when you talk about going to you know, a truly political, and I don't mean that uh, in, a, in a bad sense, but a truly political position like the SEAC, like the SIMSAC, oh, yeah. like those positions are by definition, like they are public figures. Yes they are. So they have entire staffs of people that help them with messaging, entire yeah. staffs of people that give them um, you know, left and right limits or, or give them their input. And the really good ones sometimes just put it and you see CZ do it a, a bunch of times. Like yeah. to his credit, when he was a CX, he's like, all right, tight, whether it's on a, a text chain or whether it's, you know, from public messaging standpoint, I'm just going to remove all this stuff and I'm going to say some true things and we're going to go from there. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons why it took us so long to get CZ on. Yeah. It's because him and I were messaging back and forth on LinkedIn and he's like, yeah, hit this person up, hit this person up. And I'm just a normal person normal person just, just, bro, dude. just <laughs> yeah. like hitting his people up <laughs> right. going like hey i i swear i'm talking to cz right. i swear he said to hit you up directly right. yeah yeah okay sure buddy sure whatever <laughs> right. right and then <laughs> giving you the big oh, time yeah. big time you. yeah yeah but that also drives like to to general man credit that's awesome 
I guarantee it drives his staff insane. Nuts. It's got to drive absolutely insane. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, you did what? You did what now? Oh, and they're, ah. just co they're just constantly <laughs> on their heels. Be like, okay, well, I'll just change the entire <laughs> schedule then. The, uh, the One of the things that we did at, uh, at weapons school, so he came out for, he gave us three days at weapons school, which was, that's unheard, that's unheard of. That's unheard of, yeah, right? for sure. So he went out with uh, his C-17 guys, some C-130 guys, and then we had JTACs on the, on the back. And they flew into Texas Lake, which is a, a massive dry lake bed. And they landed. Well, because it's during weapons school integration, there are threats, you know, not just in the air, but in the surface. Um, and so some surface-to-surface -surface threats were inbound. They didn't have time to load him up. So they actually flushed the airfield and left him on the ground with the JTACs for about four hours. Let's go. Just, just <laughs> like, kind of. Hey, sir. Well, uh, <laughs> this was not part of the plan, but right. Uh, right. we also weren't expecting you to get off the plane either. So Right, you know? yeah. If you want to audible, <laughs> yeah. you want to audible. And, uh, you know, you saw it when General Minahan, he did the, the historically black colleges and universities tour yep. that was ran. out. It was 111 cadets that they ended up transporting um, and ended at Joint Base Charleston, where they did the Accelerating the Legacy event. Huge event, um, one off, you know, whatever. But it was funny, like watching the planning. Uh, I was involved in the planning of that whole thing. But you know, right out. <laughs> Minnie would just be like, "Oh yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely link up with you here, and then I'll be on." And uh, yeah, if it's cool, like I'll just go ahead and fly it as well. And like literally, everybody's like, "Whoa, hold on!" <laughs> like it went from "whoa" to "wow" right yeah. away, just because he was he was willing to be engaged and willing to be involved. He's got a bandolier full of frags, just, and just, he's just. Boom. Let's go. Let's see what I can do. Yeah, whether whether it's you know with, with his wife that we were talking to Miss Ashley yesterday, whether it's it's buying another old uh, pickup truck that she doesn't want to yep. have to have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. How you doing? And that's a live update from Lieutenant Stewart. We're actually recording right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I got it. Got it. Okay. And these guys are all older than me. They're like 25 years old. They were going in the Navy when I was born. Um, but uh, I linked up with uh, one of my PAs. He found out I was a senior musician. And uh, they had this cover done, Hunger Like a Wolf. So they, they, they're older. They do a lot of older music. And they couldn't find a vocalist. And they asked me, they were like, hey, we've, been, we've had this song done. We just need someone to sing the lyrics. So you do vocals. <laughs> nice. So That's I, a... Challenging. It is. It is. I enjoy it. Um, so yeah, then I did the vocals and they're like, hang on. And they're like, we just hold that. We're legitimately recording. Like we're not. Really. I'm not. No, joking. Okay. Yeah, that was not. That was, not that was not a joke. But now, now we're talking. Okay. So what's up? Yeah. So they needed me hold to it do. Up a little bit more, sir. They wanted me to do the vocals, and so um, after I did them and we recorded and mastered everything, they were like, hang on. They were like, we've got something good here. So we've done several covers. We we also started doing music videos. Um, we're branching away from '80s because my style of music is a little more alternative, grungier. You seem like well, a new metal guy to me. Yeah, I, I I like a full range of music. So I mean, even like rock, country, you know, hip hop. Like I like it all. I have an appreciation for it. I grew up in a family with a very diverse musical background, all the way from Christian music and. You know, you name it. So I spent a lot of time as a young kid, you know, sitting in the corner of my living room, my stepdad's band was jamming out. You know? So we're talking like Stone Temple Pilots or? Yeah, STP, yeah. Allison Chains. Yeah. So as the 
as the vocalist, I'm trying to move these guys more in that direction. So just last two weeks ago, we finished uh, a cover, uh, Shimmer, by Fuel. Yeah. So, uh, and Fuel's we're, good. And we're, and we're working on the uh, music video. So the challenges with us, though, these guys got together around COVID. Everybody was doing virtual, separated. So we're all we're geographically separated. Three of the guys live in the DC. We can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Three of the guys live in the DC, Virginia area. They're uh, contractors. Um, two of them are contractors. Uh, Steve, I can't remember exactly what he does. But um, so, you know. Really, essentially, it's it's no different than a band who's playing together because you're gonna layer all of your tracks, you know, in a system, in a in a program, and it works out, and it's a lot of fun, and uh, so we'll do the music video coming up here in the next few weeks. Yeah, what's the name of the band, and where can we find it? First time free band, so we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, you name it. We have a Facebook page. Uh, getting ready to uh, develop an Instagram. We have a huge following overseas. Okay. No well, I say huge. It's huge to me. Well, but. and it's 80s, too. And European, I'm, I'm assuming Europe? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Europe loves 80s. Yep. Yep. They love, so, uh, can't get enough of Duran Duran, Duran <laughs> David Bowie. Yeah. They're all. They, yeah. We actually got featured on Music Crowns. So I'm not I'm not sure if you're familiar with Music Crowns, uh-huh. but it's a, it's a big overseas uh, actually, it's global, but um, yeah, it's it's great. That's cool. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll shout that out. And, yeah, you guys go ahead and start that Instagram, and we'll get it. We'll, we'll help out. We'll pop it. Yeah, man. Yeah. So what? So since we're 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 sitting down with you, then like, where are you from, and did you always want to kind of join the Air Force? Yeah. So I'm uh, from Oceanaw Beach, North Carolina. My dad was in law enforcement. He was prior Army. He was Army in Vietnam. Even though he didn't go to Vietnam. Um, but during that time period, my grandfather was Army. He was in the Korean War. Um, and, um, you know, honestly, I, t- I took the year off after high school kind of deal. I did landscaping and flooring and hated it. And I, I always say I kind of got lucky. Got a lot of friends that you get so lucky. Um, went and talked to the recruiter, got depth in, and I shipped out. And um, it's been a blast so far. So um, my background's my background's F-16 crew chief. Nice. So started out my career at Shaw. I was at Shaw for about 13 years. Um, went to Osan. Uh, went back to Shaw. Uh, I was an FTD instructor, so I, I, I spent uh, four years uh, teaching um, basic to advanced uh, F-16 theory of operation, troubleshooting, um, and then after that, I got picked up to be an MTI. My functional denied it. I went back across the street. I put in my OTS package at probably about 15 years, uh, 15 and a half years. And uh, actually, it was about 14 years. But anyway, finished out as a pro super at, at uh, Luke Air Force Base with a 310th fighter, uh, fighter squadron AMU. And um, <clears throat> then uh, went back to Luke as a PA. So I had all that networking. I knew a lot of maintainers and uh, guys on the op side. And um, so what, here what I am. What you want to go PA? Like what, when, when did that, that move happen? Yeah, so for, for PA, it, it actually was number three on my non-rated list. So uh, I got picked up to be an RPA pilot. And then my uh, I couldn't pass a medical. So they gave me two options between missile ear or PA. And I chose, I chose PA. 
smart. So yeah, smart. Yeah, because you avoided mine. That's well, what happened right there. Yeah. Well, I had two friends, one on the O side, one on the east side, who are missiles. Yeah. <laughs> Master, uh, yeah. Master Sergeant Holtz calling me. Cheap okay. Back. okay. Well, all right. Well, we're out here. Appreciate you joining us.